Blog Talk Radio. Welcome you to the Everything HR Owner to Owner podcast. Now, you already know, owning a company is complex. There are a zillion moving parts. And when you bring employees into the picture, things get even more complex. Whether you have one employee or 10,000 employees, it can be a challenge to keep it all running smoothly. And that's where Everything HR come in. We do one thing, HR. We're human capital experts. We're problem solvers. We make things simpler. And this complimentary podcast will provide you with the latest HR trends. Whether you do business in your home state or across the United States, you'll be able to call in and talk to HR professionals about the issues that keep you up at night. But more importantly, you'll hear best practices from other business owners that have been in your shoes. Now today, you have the opportunity to talk to someone that I am quite sure you will fall in love with just like I did six or seven years ago. This individual is very much an expert in her field. Her name is Pam Smith, and she's the owner of PTS Compliance Consulting. Now you can call in your questions to 929 477-1199, or you can email us at support at everything, HR, F as in financial, S as in Sam, dot net, and you can ask Pam any questions in which I am quite sure you will have on this topic. And today, we're going to be discussing certifications and taking your business to the next level. I can tell you, being a business owner, Certifying my business is one of the best things I ever did. And it's important to know that when you take the opportunity to certify your business, you let others know that you're serious about your business, that you're serious about growing your business, but more importantly, you're serious about having a compliant business. And so right now, I'm going to turn it over to Pam so that Pam can tell you a little bit about herself and then tell us about PTS compliance, and then we're going to jump right in and start talking about certification. Pam? Okay. Thank you, Felicia, and thank you for having me on your show today. When I started out with this, it's basically I was the program manager and director working with certification compliance issues under the WeBank program. And so I got all my training through them, and I understand everything there is to understand about certification. And while doing that, also, I'm certified as a WB and an MBE myself. So I've got, from working a previous job at a General Motors Corporation, I've added those years together, and I've got over 21 years of experience working with compliance. 
So my expertise is in working with the WBE or the Women's Business Enterprise, which is underneath the umbrella of Women's Business Enterprise National Council, which most people, if you're familiar with it, they call it WeBank. It is a third-party certification, and it's based upon gender, and it's for the private sector. And when they talk about private sectors, they're talking about corporations, retail, manufacturing, automotive. And the other one that I specialize in is the MBE, which is a minority-owned business enterprise, and it's under the umbrella of the National Minority Supplier Development Council. It is also a third-party certification, and it's based on the ethnic group that you belong to, and it works with the private sector as well. And during the looking at how, why, and what's going on with that, in 2018, there were like 12.3 million women-owned businesses in the United States, which this accounted for 39% of all privately held companies. And four out of every 10 businesses in the United States are women-owned. The criteria is based on 51% or more female ownership, management, control, and independence. And for everyone out there, when they say 51% or more, they do not round up. None of these programs round up. If you've got 50.1, that's not you're not going to be able to do this. It could be like 51.9, but anything under 51% will not be able to qualify. With the minority business, it's based on your ethnic origin. The minority businesses are based on being African-American, Hispanic, Asian, and Native American. And 15% of the companies in the United States are made up of minority business. The criteria, again, is 51% or more minority-owned, management, control, and independence. The value proposition for corporations, corporations recognize that their customers are comprised of minority businesses and they should use them to supply products or services. Think about it this way. If you're walking into a dealership or any company and you want to do business with them, don't you want to walk in and you see faces of people that look like yourself? And so that's what they understand. You get more business this way. And corporations have mandated goals to use minority-owned businesses, and they recognize that it helps move the economy forward. Because you think about it, corporations are made up of small entities. A corporation like, take for instance, a car dealership, not a car dealership, but an automotive industry. It's not that it's its own world. It has to use all these different components. People that are supplying, like the marketing, people supplying parts, people supplying steel, plastics. All these things come together, which are supplied to them by smaller businesses. And then the third thing is that, once you become that you have the best product or service to offer these corporations, you want to know that you stand out with your competitors and that you've gone that extra step by having your company certified. The certification is something that helps, as I said again, in the private sector. When you want to do business with them, they want to recognize what it is that you can do, what you can offer them. You want to go in and with your First, you want to go in with your best step in front of you. You want to be able to show them what I could do for you. Because if you get an audience with them, you want to be able to let them know what it is that you do, how you can do it better than your competitors. And then you let them know afterwards, after the conversation gets going, if you have a certification, 
you want to want them to understand that you have it, whether it be an MBE, a WBE, and there's several certifications out there. And when they talk about a minority certification, that encompasses a lot of different groups. You've got, as I stated, the WBE, the MBE. There's also something called a veteran-owned business. They call that a VOB. Then you have your gay and lesbian organization that has their certification. They're all encompassed under a minority certification as far as the corporations are concerned. I've, I've had women say to me, well, I'm not considered a minority if I'm a Caucasian. With corporations, you're considered a minority based on the fact that you're a woman. Because they're looking at that. They're counting these spins. I've been to several events, and they show like a pie. And sections of this pie have all these different groups that are encompassed underneath them. And so they want to use percentages out of each group. So if you don't think you should fit a group, you look and see what else you may fit. I can tell you Google is the best thing out there. You want to learn about certifications? You can Google anything. If you want to learn about the veteran certification, you Google veteran certification. You could also Google woman certification, minority certification. It's very helpful in you understanding what's going on with the certifications. People want to know when they're talking about certifications, are there fees associated with it? Yes, there are. When you're dealing with the third-party certifications, there are fees. And these fees are generally based on whatever their criteria is that that organization said it's based on. I know with the minority business and with the women-owned business, it's based on your annual revenues, and it goes up in tiers from there, and then it caps off. And these fees are due each year because even though you're certified the one year and you're turning it all this documentation, there's so much documentation that has to be turned in. And the reason they're asking for it is because they have to determine that you are the person that manages it, owns it, controls it, and you have independence. When they get your uh, information from you, there's a timeline involved that they're trying to get everything in for you. But when you do the certification, the initial one, it's the hardest. That's where you. That's where I come in, where I'm trying to get all the documentation ready for you. After that, it's very, very simple. It's just a few pieces of documentation that are due. Again, like I said, certifications for everybody is different as far as their fees. Now, I can tell you the official certifying body for the state of Michigan is MDOT. People think that MDOT is just if you're dealing with construction and building, but there's a lot of other entities that fall under Michigan MDOT, and that's they have. Think about the jails. Think about anything that's involving where it's like a, the prison systems are like little cities. They need everything. So don't think that because you're not in construction that you don't have something to offer. You may have something to offer. So when you're interested in doing anything that's a certification for MDOT, you're going to go into Michigan.gov, and you go into their procurement, and it talks about certification. There's different certifications under them. Their certification is free because think about it. Your tax dollars are paying for anything that's in the state of Michigan. And then the other certifications that are out there, each city or municipality they may have their own certification. I know, for instance, that the city of Detroit has a certification. When you're looking at the federal government, they have a certification. 
So you have to go into their website to see what it is that they're wanting. And I can honestly tell you, be careful when you're looking at certifications out there, especially with the federal government. A lot of places, if you go into Google especially, be careful because everything that's on the search engine, thank you, Felicia, everything on that front (laughs) engine is generally paid for. So it may not necessarily be something that's going to be free for you. When I was working at the Great Lakes office under WeBank, women were calling in, and I'm telling you, they were going in paying 5000 all this money, that for something free. The federal government Correct. is doing it free. So you have to be careful with that when you're doing this. With, there's also something – oh, I'm sorry, Felicia, did you have something to say? No, I was just going to highlight that point that – especially when you're starting to look at contracts and you're trying to get contracts either with corporations or the federal government. Even once you get registered, you know, inside of SAM, and we can talk about SAM and all those things on there, your information, you know, is there for others and they will start to pry on you and try to tell you that they can help you get in and get a contract because you have a certification. It's important to know and to look at the certification does not guarantee you business, okay? Look at the certification as being the icing on the cake, and the cake being your qualifications and your skill set or the quality of your product and service and how you're able to differentiate yourself from your competitors, okay? And so it's important to, to realize that certification does not mean I got automatic business now. No, it does not. What it means is that you've been able to set yourself apart from your competitors or your competitors may even be certified too. So you're always going to have to rely on how do you differentiate yourself from your competitors and what is that thing about you. And you pull out that certification to, to just say, this is my ace in the hole, okay? So just to kind of make sure that you don't fall prey to someone saying or try to guarantee you something based on your certification. Because just like Pam just said, there are people that have spent, been taken for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars by someone preying on them just because of or saying they'll get them certified or their certification, they can guarantee them something, and that's not true. So I want to make sure everybody is clear on that aspect and you still want to be certified you definitely do but do know it's not a guarantee for business with corporations or federal government or anyone and and she's very correct on that Mm -hmm. no i just i'll turn it back over to you i just want to make sure we highlight that because i don't want anybody to be ever be taken because that's a hurtful thing it's very hurtful and it's very costly so as i Mm -hmm. said google is a fabulous you know, it's fabulous, but you have to be so careful because you don't want to be taken. And, and I've seen it happen a lot. And, mm-hmm. and like I say, certification is a wonderful thing, but be careful. Because I, I had a client of mine that told me the other day that, well, no, she actually was someone I was working with. And she was looking for someone to do what I do. And then when I found out she paid like three times the amount of money and she did all the research, she did the work. And that's not how this works. If someone, if you're paying someone to do something for you, you shouldn't have to be doing a lot of work. So just keep that in mind. 
So make sure you're dealing with reputable people. And I and the one thing that I've learned, you can check with the Better Business Bureau on anyone to find out if someone's calling you or sending you emails saying that they could do things for you, make sure you check them out. Don't just give them access to a credit card and say, okay, I want to hire you to do this, because it doesn't always mean that they're going to do what they tell you they're going to do. And, so and, and ask for was, references. There's nothing correct. wrong with asking for references there for and, and references that you actually go check out. Check several out and wait a period of time, you know, over a period of time to kind of, you know, check them out and make certain, but there's nothing wrong with asking for references, especially when you're talking about the, the type of information you will be disclosing or giving over to this person because that, that is very personal information, be it for you got tax ID numbers, social security numbers, birth certificates, all these different things you're handing over to someone, so you need to make sure you actually know that person. And the best thing to be able to do is to take it from someone that has already used that person that you may know of, like I know Pam. So I have no hesitation whatsoever in saying your information is definitely safe because, number one, she's done it. She's been on the side of being a certified person of looking it through the documents and certifying individuals, but she's also someone you can trust with that valuable information of yours because you never want that personal information to get in the hand of someone that you can't trust. You know, now you have a whole different problem. You're not just being taken for the funds for getting certified, but now you have all of your personal information out there and identity theft is just rampant. And so you need to be able to make sure you safeguard the information and safeguard yourself from any predators that are out there. Okay, and she is so, so correct on this. So what we're going to talk about now is why they ask for the different information. And just keep in mind, 51% ownership, and then you have to, if, whether it's by female ownership or whether it's going to be a minority ownership, it's management, control, and independence. When they're looking at ownership, and this is for any of these certifications, they will ask. Like people will say, well, why are you asking for my tax returns or financials? Well, first of all, the tax returns, most of them have like K-1s, or they have some sort of way that we can look at it or a company can look at it and determine who has ownership. If you're a corporation, a lot of times there's stock. There's stock certificates. If you are an LLC, it's a little more difficult unless you, if you, unless you have membership agreement. But generally, that's what they're looking at. They'll ask you if there's a trust agreement, especially if it's a female-owned business, because a lot of times you will say, well, I own the company by 51%. They're looking at your tax returns. The tax returns may show that there's a trust agreement that part of your company shares are in. They look at that trust to make sure that it meets compliance because you may find that because the stock is in a trust, you don't truly own it outright at that point. So that's why they'll ask is there a trust agreement. They're going to ask uh, as far as with your control issues. They're looking at your, if you're a corporation, they're looking at your bylaws. If they're looking at that bylaw, your title must be spoken to. The woman has to be the highest person defined on that board, especially if she has a board. 
if she doesn't have a board, she has to be defined somewhere within that bylaw saying that she is controlled. I've seen it happen where a file would come in on the application. It will say she is the CEO of the company. Well, we're looking at the bylaw. She has a corporation. There is a chairman of the board who controls the company. She is not spoken to. She is just the CEO of the company, so she thinks that makes her over the whole company. But her bylaws are what determine who is in control. And if that chairman, and you might have given someone that title not even realizing that they're looking at this to see who's in control. The chairman may be John. If John is considered chairman and he's spoken to stating that the chairman has the powers and the control to run the daily day, he can make all decisions, take the direction of the company, you don't have control of your company. So that's why I always tell my clients, especially my female clients, revisit your bylaws because a lot of times the female client has inherited the company through a trust or she's just been given uh, shares of the company and she's not visited her bylaws. And her father at that point may have been in control and he may have had it written up where the chairman, he was the chairman at that time. So it gave him the control of the company. So women, please, 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 if you're taking over a company, revisit the bylaws. Don't try to understand it all by yourself. Make sure you have counsel. I always recommend to women, have an attorney. Have someone that understands what they're looking at because you may not understand what you're looking at. You need to make sure that you are in control and it must be spoken to within the bylaws. If you're an LLC, it has to state you usually LLCs are made up of members. Everyone right. cannot be a member. There Absolutely. has to be a managing member or there has mm-hmm. to be a managing partner. And it has to be spoken to. I've seen files that were denied. It was very obvious that the woman was running the company, that she had all that was involved, you know, she owned the majority of it. But the problem was she called herself a member along with her partner. You cannot do that. It's okay when you have all women in the beginning, but think about it. If you have a male partner that buys into the company and he's a member, that means he has just as much control as all the other female members. So even though I'm a sole entrepreneur LLC, I made my operating agreement where I am the managing member. I wanted no doubt that when someone looked at my operating agreement, who was in control. So just keep that in mind. It must be spoken to. And that's where, and when we talk about the independence portion, okay, I own a company. My company is ABC LLC. But I'm working within my father's company, which is ABC Incorporated. I'm using his assets his people, his payroll, my office is not leased, I'm just in there. That's independence. I'm not independent of my father. He could ask me to leave any day and then there's no company anymore. I have nothing that's taken into a company that could be mine. You must be independent. If you are going to be leasing within your father's space, have a lease agreement because that makes you independent of him. You at least want to have assets or something that's yours that you can show that you're separate from him. Your your customers should be separate from your father. You want to show that there's independence. 
because they are going to look at that. When they're looking at management, every certification has and probably has where there's a site visit conducted. That means there's a representative of the agency that's certifying you that's going to come out to your place of business, and the place of business could be a home base or you could be in a facility. They, When they do that, you're supposed to know your industry. You should have the expertise. That is your baby. You're supposed to understand it. You talk it. You sleep it. You eat it. You drink it. So you understand what's going on. When they do that site visit, they're going to see how much do you know. There is nothing they're going to send you ahead of time to get you prepared. So you need to know these things. If you're a woman-owned business, you are not allowed to have any males in on that site visit. They can't do anything as part of that site visit. If you're a minority-owned business, a non-minority person cannot be part of that site visit. If you're a veteran-owned business, a non-vet should not be part of that site visit. Of course, you have key people, but they cannot contribute toward anything in that site visit. So just to let you know that. And, and uh, that's so a those- very good point. That's a very good point because that's where a lot of people get tripped up at, is at that site visit because that's where they get to find out is this just someone trying to obtain certification and change the ownership just to get certification as a woman-owned business or veteran-owned business or minority-owned business, and that person is really not involved? Because I know for certain you and I both have heard stories where they've had that site visit and – you know, and or even had that site visit and they went back to ask that person questions and somebody else is answering the questions and they've had to say, no, I'm asking this person. Because if it is your business, yes, you live, eat, and breathe and sleep it, you don't have to be prepped to talk about it or answer questions about it. You can do that in your sleep. And so... Be very careful, you know, there of that. And I've even seen people where they've obtained the certification, got past that or through that end of it, and they've gotten, quote, unquote, to the point where they're meeting with a possible supplier to provide their goods or services with, and the same thing took place. You know, they asked them questions and to the certifying body or person, and that individual could not answer the questions. Someone else was taking it over where they had to step in and say, no, I'm asking this person. So now they're questioning your certification, and you never want to be placed in that, that position where now people are questioning the authenticity of your certification. Now they're going to start questioning your integrity of your product and your service and of your business. So be certain with if you decide to go in and become certified, that you are the person in charge for whatever type of certification that you actually go out and try to get because it will come out. If it's not caught on the side of the certification side, it will get caught if you decide to go out for any contract for someone. So it's be careful. And suppliers and talk. The- I think Sam and I can both say suppliers talk. Oh, yeah. From one company oh, yeah. to the next, <laughs> they talk. And you wouldn't think they do. And that, and, and, and to her point, as Felicia was saying, they talk. So if you've had a bad experience or you 
felt that you couldn't get a hold of someone that's a supplier, please do not talk about it with another one because they talk oh, absolutely. to other. Yes, they and do. And you don't want that reputation because then no one's going to talk to you. So just keep that in mind that when you're talking, if you've had a bad experience or what you perceive to be a bad experience, just kind of keep that to yourself. Don't talk to the other suppliers about it. That is so true. Uh, so that is so, so true. And the, and the opposite is also true. If a supplier has a very good experience with you, do know they will not keep that a secret. They will let others know how good you are, how they can rely on you, and the good experience that they had with you. So do know that's how you build a, a good reputation. And suppliers also change organizations. So if you, and, and look at that supplier as being your advocate. Okay, they're there on your behalf, and so you keep in mind you always want to, to put your best foot forward because they're there to be your advocate. But if you have a bad experience, keep it to yourself. As Pam advised you, do not go out and say something negative <laughs> because that hurts you in the end. It doesn't hurt anybody but yourself. And that's very, very true. And, and like I said, these all all these certifications are good because I've had people say to me, well, which one is the best? None of them are the best. They all serve a purpose. If you can get a certification as a woman, as a minority, as a vet, you make sure you get those certifications because they all count in that spend for the corporate. So, yes, they're money, but it's going to all count in the end. And just think of these things. They're write-offs. They're always going to be a business write-off for you when you're paying for these certifications. You That's have true. to get out there, and, and you got to work the certification. It's just thinking to yourself, if a doctor just puts his plaque on the wall saying, I'm a doctor, no one knows he exists. It's got to be word of mouth. People mm -hmm. have to understand that you're a doctor, what it is that you do. I, I tell women all the time, when I was in the office there, they used to say, well, I'm not recertifying. And I'd say, why? And they'd say, well, it didn't help me. And the first thing that I'd say to them, did you attend any events? Well, I didn't have time to. That's a part of marketing. That's a part of business. I tell people, get the best bang for the buck. Of course you can't afford to attend everything. But you pick the things that you think are going to be, going to be most advantageous for you, those are the things that you attend because you want people to know you. If you're a shy person, you've got to step outside that box. When you go to you these do. events, yes, you, you have to walk up to people. You have you to introduce do. yourself. And, 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 Felicia, I don't know if this has had happened to you, but you don't walk up to people just handing out a card. No oh, that's so true. That. No one, no one likes, likes that. that. If you can engage in conversation with someone in a true conversation, not one that you're just trying to get their attention so you can give them a sales pitch, be real. If you, you can that engage in so a conversation true. with someone, they will want to listen to you. And a lot of times at the end of that conversation or even during it, they're going to say, well, what is it you do for a business? That's when Absolutely. you can talk. That's what Absolutely. But even then, if you're going to give a business card, you always say, do you mind if I give you a business card, and is it okay if I have yours? It's just kind of reciprocal. That's working that certification because, 
And I think you guys are, are very good about telling us on that certification, on the back of that, if it is a supplier or someone and they're looking to see if you're certified, they're going to look on the back of that card. Do you have that symbol of certification on the back of your card? Because Correct. that's part of your branding. That's part of you marketing that certification. And so because and, – and being able to – I think we did a thing on brand ambassadors and branding. All of my employees on the back of their card have that certification symbol on there. So they recognize and those that are aware of the certification that they know that, okay, this is a certified business, and it's a not only woman-owned certified, but it's minority-owned certified. And so being able to have both of those, um, and if you're a veteran, you should have all three. You're veteran-owned, minority-owned, and woman-owned. It just gives you more foundation um, to let them know that you're serious. But it, like Pam said, you can pick an event, and you can get a year's worth or six months' worth of, of, of prospecting out of that event if you do it right. And it makes it that now worth so your fun. while in a taxable event now at this point. So, because you can write all of those things <laughs> off. All those things become a tax deduction, but you have to learn how to do it right. And in your relationship building, as Pam stated out, started out saying, you, you interact with people and it becomes natural for that person to look to you. And the more events, I will say, the more events that you attend and you run into that person, they come to know what it is that you do. So when they need your good or service or someone that they know is requesting your good or service, you're at the top of their mind to look to. So it may have been a year or two since you've seen them at an event. Guess what? They remember their encounter with you, so they feel comfortable yes. referring you. Yes, and, and as everybody knows, being a business owner, a lot of it is referral. It is. You know, yes, we have it. websites and things like that, but most of the business really is going to come from referral, especially it if is. you do a really good job. That's where it's going to come from. That is definitely where a majority of it, at least for me, I can say, that's the majority of mine come from, is referral. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, we can have all the different marketing plans and things out there that we want. It really boils down to the experience that people have with you. and Because yes. people do business with people that they like and they trust. Yes, that is so very, very true. Especially like they do. what... Felicia and I do, we're service. Mm-hmm. We provide a service. So mm-hmm. word of mouth is what's going to either help us or hinder us. So we have to do the best that we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, Pam, we've come to the halfway, a little over the halfway point of our program. And for those that may okay. have joined us late, we want to give them the benefit of the doubt to, as to what we've discussed already. So you want to give them a quick recap and then Let's go over into, because I am quite certain people have heard or, you know, the talk about doing business with the federal government. I mean, I know you touched on doing business with corporations. Let's talk on doing business with the federal government and how certifications come into place with that after you kind of give them a brief as to what we've already discussed. Okay. Uh, what we've discussed so far 
is being certified. Basically, the two that I talked about the most was as a WBE, which is the Women's Business Enterprise National Council, which is referred to as WeBank. And we've talked about the MBE, which is the Minority Business Enterprise, which is through the National Minority Supply Development Council. Both of these parties, both of these groups are third-party certifications. And as you know, the Women's Business Enterprise is based on gender. The Minority Business Enterprise is based on the ethnic group. And the ethnic groups are African Americans, Hispanic, Asians, and Native Americans. Both groups, criteria is 51% or more, and it has to be over that threshold of 51% or more. It's either got to be 51% or more for women, 51% or more for minorities. It has to be management, control, and independence for both groups. And we talked about what that was for that criteria. And so right now, the one group, when we talk about the government group, they have set aside for WeBank. And it's called the Woman's Own Small Business. They use the acronym WOSB. So if you ever hear someone say the WOSB, they're referring to the, the Woman's Own Small Business. This is part of the SBA's federal contracting program. And it has it's offered to the women businesses, and it's based on a threshold of either revenue or employees. If you get certified through WeBank, this is a free certification. It's offered to you along with being certified. You cannot go to WeBank and say, okay, I just only want to do the woman-owned small business portion. They can't do it that way. You have to be a certified WBE before they can even consider you for the WOSB. And I can tell you from my experience with this, the thresholds are set so high that I've only seen one time that a company, after being a WOSB for several years, had to be decertified because they went way over the threshold of revenue. So it's really good. The revenue, like I said, has a threshold, and then employees, the same thing. I've only seen it happen once, but for the most part, any of anyone that's certified as a WBE can meet this. And the one thing that you have to understand, if you want to be certified doing the government contracting through the WSB with a WeBank, it's your primary code. When you're selecting your next code, you've got to make sure your primary code meets with what WeBank considers to be able to file as a WSB. Once you make the correct selection, their, their application actually populates with you to be able to start filling in data. And as a WSB, you have to do your homework first before you even apply, as well as you have to get all the documentation together for all these other certifications, and particularly with WeBank, you have to get the information together for the WSB. You've got to go into SAM, which is System Automated Management System under the federal government. You have to go in there. You have to have your DUNS number, and this process takes a while. I've done it just so I can understand what it is. Even though I don't need the WSB, I don't do government contracting, but I needed to understand it for my clients. And it took me well over an hour going in navigating that system. And then you've got to wait for them to send you a, an approval or their entity with the date that you expire. All that has to go into the office when you send those applications in. 
if you don't do it at the time that you apply to be a WBE, you have to wait till you recertify the next year to try to go in and do this. So just bear in mind that if you're going to do that woman-owned small business through the SBA to get federal contracting, that you want to have all the documentation together before you apply for the WBE. Now, Felicia, did you want to add anything to this? I did. And just to kind of back up a second and let you guys know, when she mentioned Nate's codes, that's your industry identifier, okay? And that you can, if you type in Nate's, and Nate's is, is just a, it's N-A-C-I-S, N-A-C, yeah, N-A-C-I-S. When you type that in, you'll go to a screen and it kind of, it will give you different industries. You go under the search code and you type in your industry. And then within your industry, there's going to give you another breakdown. You always want to select the one that that's your highest revenue generator. Okay. Decide to go into that system that she talked about, SAM, there because you have to fill out that information first before you get your own business, what is called a, a, an identifier for the federal government, and that's called a CAGE code. They will send that to you. You need that information, too, as well. But you also need what's called a DUNS number. And this is another area that the federal government or, or you can get a free DUNS number. You do not have to pay for a DUNS number from Dun & Bradstreet. Um, a lot of individuals fall for or think that, <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot of individuals think that they have to pay for that DUNS number. No, that DUNS number is absolutely free, okay? So do not think, and, and what Dun & Bradstreet does, it actually is a financial indicator. It does a stress test on your business to see you're going to have suppliers that their terms of, of the contract may stretch out a very long period, six months or longer um, for some, or 120 days or 90 days. They want to be able to see, can your business um, survive a stress test? They want to be able to take a look and see how much of your business does one company or they may represent. No one wants to be over 50% of your business because if they stop doing business with you, then guess what? You may be out of business. And so yeah. they want to, to be able to take a look at your business credit rating. Yes, they may look at your personal credit rating if you're a small business, but they also are concerned about what is your business credit rating. And so do know you do not have to pay for that DUNS number. You don't have to buy any of the services that they may present to you or anything like that at all because that can get to be pricey and very expensive and is not a necessity there for you. It's an option or something that, you know, you may want to do, but it's not something that you have to do. So please understand that. That DUNS number obviously is just for your business. No one else has your DUNS number. No one else has your cage code number. And so do know that. Do know that that's something that totally identifies your number. Your NAITS code, tons of businesses can have the same NAITS code. It just says that this, this, this is how you identify your competitors in your space, in your field. And so recognize that. Pam, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, 
Tell us how they get a hold of you for them to for you to walk them through this process because it can be a daunting process if you've never gone through this and especially if you're not I'm a paperwork person, so you know, and, and having a financial background, it helps me and I understand it, but for those that may not have that same background or have the time, because it can be time consuming and they need yes, someone like is. you to walk them through that process and basically hold their hands, and more importantly that I can't stress enough, someone that they can trust with valuable information, how do they get a hold of you? Okay, the way they would get a hold of me is I have a an email that I use, but also if they wanted to see about me, they can visit my website at www.ptscompliancesconsulting.com. It talks about me and what I do on there. And if you want to contact me by email, my email is psmith at ptscompliancesconsulting.com. And also, my contact phone number is 734-260-3234. And to let you know, I've had clients all over the United States, and I've even had one in Canada. Because in this digital age that we have now, I could tell you that the ones in the different parts of the U.S. I have never physically seen. We've done everything, Dropbox, conference calls. It's all been done that way. And also understand that all processes, all these applications, all the certifications are done online. And so that's why it's easy for me to do this, to be able to handle this for you. So if you're out someplace out of the state, it doesn't matter. I can still work with you to get your application done. It is timely. It is a lot of documentation, but believe me, it is worthwhile. I know I, I, I live and I breathe this. I did when I was in the office as the program manager and the director. It's, it's an important thing, especially for the women's group, because, because I'm from that era where women just were not recognized. You couldn't do anything without your husband's signature. So this is important to me at heart. This is very important to see how far women have come to have these huge businesses. I do work with the office here in Michigan, the Great Lakes office, and to go out and visit with companies they send me to see doing site visits. Fantastic. I mean, women, we have power, power, power. We're so intelligent. I mean, we can take anything and make it into something fabulous. So, like That's I said again, so if you want to get a hold of me, it's at psmith at ptscompliancesconsulting.com, or you can call me at 734-260-3234, and I will be glad to answer questions for you. And if you needed my services, we could talk a little bit more about that if you give me a call or you contact me about email. And, again, and let me stress before we get done, out, anyone out there, when you're going to do anything and you're looking at Google, please make sure you don't follow what's on the top, especially with the government things. I've seen it where people would want to go in for Sam and these companies would reach out, grab them. One woman told me she paid like, I think it was like $10,000 for them to process her to get government contracting through Sam. That's, and I told her that's ridiculous. She couldn't get it back because once you give out that credit card number, it's a done deal. So 
that's what I have to say on that. Felicia? And just think about that. She spent $10,000 on something that's totally free. Okay, that's heartbreaking. And, And Pam is modest because Pam is very highly regarded with the certifying bodies because she's done this for so long. So if you're a woman-owned business and a minority-owned business, they know if Pam is handling your documents, it's going to be a very smooth process there for them. And as she stated, because she's been the program director over certifying, especially for the women's side, she knows the process and she knows the documents and the things you need to have in place. And so she's going to be right there with you, walking you through the process. And if something is missing, guess what? They know to pick up the phone and call her direct to get what it is that they need, and it's pretty much over and done. And so to to streamline that process, I very much so think that you need to make sure, as I stated, you know, as we stated, you have someone that you can trust to walk you through the process because – It is very personal information, very intimate information, and in the wrong hands, it can be very costly for you. And so, as she stated, in order to do it right as well, you want someone that year after year during the renewal, so it's not just a one-time process. This is an annual process that you have to go through. And so you would have someone that's there by your side to walk you through, okay, it's coming up to time. They usually send you a notice um, about 90 days or so out and even earlier so that you're able to start gathering your information to renew your, your, your certification. And you never want to wait till the last minute because you do not want it to run out where it's expired, you do not want to do that. You want to give your give them time to go through your documentation because do understand, you're not the only company that they're looking at recertifying or certifying. And so you want to make sure you give them enough time to renew your documents there so that you can get your recertification because the last thing that you ever want to happen is that you've put something out there for a contract stating that you are certified. And contracts can, you know, you can put something out there that's over a year or two years old, and then all of a sudden they decide that they're ready to move forward and your certification is expired. Correct. So you do not want to put yourself in that position. You always want to be certain that you have uh, your information stays up to date and current at all times. Correct. I'm going to actually step out and actually give a plug out to the certifying bodies. They're awesome to work with. On the woman-owned side as well as the minority-owned side, I've had some interaction with those on the veteran side. You could not be in better hands with the certifying bodies. They're there to educate you, provide whatever professional development that they can there for you. They are on your side. And so that's another benefit to having your business certified. They're approachable. They all offer events to advance you as a business owner. Their goal is to introduce you to those that can possibly use your products and services. They can only give you the tools 
It's you that has to be able to produce, though. So I want to make sure that we're perfectly clear on that. They can create the environment, but ultimately the work will still always remain up to you, the business owner. And so when we talked about attending the different events, I highly recommend that you select the events that will be most beneficial to you and your business. But definitely make sure that if you decide to get certified, make sure you attend some of the events that they're offering because you won't know if any whatever particular event will benefit you unless you actually go and unless you actually get involved in the organizations. Most of all these organizations offer the ability for you to volunteer in some capacity. Yeah. And so I would highly recommend that you do that. That's another way for you to be able to get to know how your business could, poss or could possibly benefit or you benefit from the organization, too, as well. And it also makes you stand out when you are involved with a particular organization. And so I highly recommend that, too, as well. Coming down with the last few minutes, I know you just did this and giving out your information, Pam. I'm going to ask you to do it one more time just so that individuals will know because I want to make sure, as you and I know, this is a very sensitive area, a very highly sought-out area for individuals because I can think of a ton of people that they keep saying, I knew I need to get certified, I knew I need to get certified, I knew I need to get certified. But when they see the application, it's daunting for them, and they just get lost in the shuffle. They'll start out because it does take a lot of time, and it does require a lot of information. And the information has to be accurate because they will verify. The, the information has to be verified. And so I'm going to ask you one more time to go ahead and provide us with your contact info. And what exactly, what's your process? When someone does call you, what? how does that go? How does that meeting go? Normally what happens is when someone calls me, we can either have a conversation over the phone or I offer to come to their, their facility. Because I've, I've actually gone as far as up to the top part of Michigan, not the northern part, but up at the Mitten part, and I will sit and I'll do a consultation with them. But prior to me going, I will send them ahead of time and say, this is the documentation. Because normally when they have me come up to see them, they know they want to use me. So I'll send them ahead of time the list of things that I need. So when I make that trip there, we're going over the documentation. They've got questions for me. I'm answering questions for them. I am taking that documentation with me because I'm the person that's responsible for reviewing it, creating the application online. I'm the person looking at the NACE codes, and I'm the person that's uploading all the documents that have to go along with that program. So that's how I do. It's initial conversation, whether it's online, whether it's on the phone, or I'm visiting them at their office or the facility, wherever they are. And I do do home-based businesses, so if you don't want me to come to your home, I will meet you out. I'm actually, I'm in Belleville here in Michigan, and I went to Lansing, which is like an hour or so away from me to meet a client because we met at at a Starbucks. So it's I, I'm I'm available to help in any way I can. So if you need to get a hold of me, 
My email again is psmith at ptscompliancesconsulting.com. And I also can be contacted on my phone number, which is my cell, so you can even text that, 734-260-3234. And please visit my website at www.ptscompliancesconsulting.com. Awesome. Now, Pam, you said something. So you will look up their Nate's code. Will you also do their cage code as well in SAM and set them up in SAM too as well, as well as getting their DUNS number? Will you do all of that too? Unfortunately, I cannot because when you're dealing with that part trying to get into SAMS, it has to be the owner because there's questions on there that I cannot answer. So there has to be, that has to be the owner. So the only thing I do is get everything set up as far as getting your certification through WeBank or through NMMSDC. That's the only thing I do. When I get that information from you to get you started with the federal government or as a WOSB, you've already done due diligence, gone on, did all this, done all the SAM information, and you've gotten that for me. Because, as again, I stated, I, I can't do it for you. I know from doing it myself, it has to be the owner or someone within that owner's company that knows all this personal information that can go and run and pull and grab everything that's going to be required. Awesome. Awesome. So, Pam, I want to thank you so very much for joining us this morning and talking to us about the value of certification and being able to take our business to the next level. Um, and I'd like to thank all of you for joining us this morning, too, as well. If you have questions, obviously feel free to reach, reach out to Pam directly or to reach out to us here at Everything HR um, by going to support at Everything HR, F is in financial, S is in Sam.net. And I truly, truly look forward to uh, you guys joining us again on next week, next Wednesday at 8 a.m. from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Obviously, always feel free to reach out to us for any of your HR needs. We're here to support you as your HR department or support your existing HR appointment. Again, thank you so very much. My name is Felicia Harris, and I was glad to be your host again for today. 